end up all get out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. If anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? It's time for Powell at the Park. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs, Sox, all your Chicago baseball news. Dynamite drop in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. Play ball! Welcome into episode number two of Powell at the Park podcast. Really appreciate everyone who gave the first episode a shot and for everyone that's returned for another episode. I I really appreciate it. There's been some great feedback and um, hope you continue to listen to the podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes now. It's also on Google Play. So basically anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the Powell at the Park podcast. And thank you once again uh, for listening. On this week's episode, it's sort of a hodgepodge of things. We'll talk with Tyler Chatwood, the new Cubs pitcher. I had a chance to um, to speak with him out at spring training a few weeks ago, and he's kind of been overshadowed a little bit because of the Darvish signing, but had some interesting stuff to say, so we'll get to that interview, and then we'll talk to Andy Mazur, who for so many years was associated with the Cubs because he was on the radio broadcast team here at WGN, working alongside Ron Sando and helping out there. But now he's the White Sox pregame host on WGN, so we're super excited about that. We'll talk about the what people can expect for the broadcast and also uh, some White Sox with Andy. And the other news of the week, Jake Arrieta finally has a new home. Finally. Three weeks into spring training, he's finally able to get a deal. He goes to the Philadelphia Phillies, a three-year deal. He'll get paid $30 million in the first year, then 25 then 20 For now, a three-year deal for Jake Arrieta worth about $75 million. And again, that could go up quite a bit. But I wanted to kind of revisit, and we're actually going to talk to Megan Montemuro. She's with The Athletic Philadelphia. She covers the Phillies. She's a beat reporter, um, does a great job doing that. She was there for the introductory press conference with Arietta and the media. So we'll talk to her and kind of talk about why this made sense for the Phillies. Why did they want Arietta? How difficult was it to convince him to join the Phillies? But before we get to all of that, I just kind of want to revisit Arietta's run in Chicago because it was, it was pretty damn impressive, especially in 2015, 22 wins, 177 ERA, 236 strikeouts, and an 8-7 war. <laughs> he won the Cy Young that year, in case you forgot. So a few of the highlights from Jake Arrieta's uh, run in Chicago. We'll start with this one. And he's done it. He strikes out the side in the ninth inning. And Jake Arietta has thrown his first career no-hitter. Jake Arietta's first no-hitter, August 30th, 2015. It's Dan Shulman on the call for ESPN's broadcast. Arietta, a no-hitter against... The Dodgers. Next up, as we revisit Arietta's highlights with the Cubs, October 7, 2015, wild card game against the Pirates. Little check swing, and for the first time in 12 years, the Chicago Cubs have a postseason victory. They win the wild card game, blanking the Pirates 4 0. That's Ernie Johnson on the call, TBS, Arietta. Going the distance as the Cubs beat the Pirates in the NL wild card. Up next, another no-hitter. Here comes the 2-2. In the air, this should do it. Jason Hayward makes a catch. It's a no-hitter. Jake Arrieta has done it again. That was fun. His second no-hitter. In his last 11 regular season starts, 
I'd say the sky's the limit. Maybe the universe is the limit for this guy. That coming on April 21st, 2016, Len Casper on the call there. Then, of course, later on in the season, Arietta and the Cubs win the World Series. And then, finally, uh, a year later, his run in Chicago comes to an egg against the Dodgers. He gets them the win, keeping their season alive against the Dodgers in the NLCS. He walked off to a standing ovation to the Cubby faithful. Well, it's, uh, you know, ho- hopefully it's not a goodbye. It's a thank you, obviously. Um, I still intend to have another start in this ballpark. Um, but, you know, if, if, if that's where it ends, uh, you know, I, I did my best. And I left it all out there. So just an overall great run for Arietta in Chicago. Um, it felt like he was here longer than he was, probably because there were so many monumental moments. He had the World Series win, of course, um, the Cy Young, the no hitters, the wild card game. So a lot of memorable moments. And he's a Cub legend in my book. Help them win a World Series. So, a great run for Jake Arrieta. He's now in Philadelphia with the Phillies, as I mentioned, and uh, had a chance to talk with Megan Montemurro about the signing of Jake Arrieta. Kind of asked her to give us the timeline of the negotiation period between the Phillies and Jake Arrieta. Yeah, so the Phillies and uh, specifically general manager Matt Clentac have been in contact with Arietta's agent, Scott Boris, since November. That's when they kind of first touched base. And they've been, they stayed in sporadic communication in the following months, and both sides knew the parameters of what kind of deal each side was interested in. Uh, but it really started ramping up in the last week or two, and then this past Thursday, Contact said uh, he and Boris had a conversation together, and that was the first time where he really thought that Arietta could become a Philly. So it accelerated from there, and then they reached the deal in the wee hours of Sunday morning. How difficult was it for the Phillies to convince Arietta to sign with the team? Did they have to wrestle him away from any other clubs, or was it pretty much just Arietta and the Phillies, and they were kind of just working out the kinks of the contract? Uh, Arietta really didn't get into interest from other teams, but I, I don't think it was too much of an issue in convincing him to join the organization. They've proven, you know, it's been seven years since they've been to the playoffs, but they proved with that core that won the World Series in 2008 that they will invest and spend money to build winners when the team warrants it. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities between this Phillies team and the team Arietta was on in 2014 before they made that jump in 2015 where, you know, they won the wild card and then they got to the NLCS before losing to the Mets. And so there's a lot of parallels. The Phillies are a really young team. They have a lot of young position players. Uh, They have a lot of talent, though. And so it's it's a pretty intriguing destination. They added Carlos Santana in December. They bolstered the bullpen. So there's really no reason why with Arietta in the fold they can't contend for the wild card. You know, they need guys to get healthy, obviously. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of attractive qualities about the Phillies. Yeah, well, that's sort of the idea with Arietta, right? That he's he can be the leader, the guy that ushers in a young team into their competitive window. And is that competitive window already here, or are they anticipating like Arietta leading this group next year, or do they think they can win this year? Uh, I mean, I think I think the expectation is that they're much more competitive this year. The, the goal isn't playoffs or bust, but I think you know they definitely should be a worthy 
challenger for the, the wild card spot. You look at the rest of the National League, especially the NL East, you have the Nationals, obviously, who are the favorites to win the division. But the rest of the division, you have the Mets that are kind of a cobbled-together injury history uh, with some old veterans on that team. You have the Braves and Marlins, which are basically punting this season. So there, there's going to be an opportunity to rack up some wins just in the division alone. Uh, but the, the, they definitely envision Arietta, you know, teaching these younger guys. It's a really young pitching staff. Uh, all of the starters are 27 years old or younger. Uh, they all have three years of big league experience or less. So they're definitely looking at him to be a leader in the clubhouse and specifically to really uh, be a soundboard for those young pitchers on the staff. When, this, when the season ended and everyone knew that Arietta was headed to free agency, and there was a lot of talk here locally in Chicago about whether or not the Cubs should bring Arietta back. And the main concerns are that, one, he has a complicated delivery, and two, there was a dip in velocity last year that I think scared a lot of people. Uh, what's the reaction been, I guess, locally in Philly from fans and the media? And Is everybody all in on this contract for Arietta, or are there some legitimate concerns from people in Philly? No, I think for the most part, fans are on board because the Phillies have so little monetary investment and financial investment in the near future that three years and $75 million is really not that big of a deal. Uh, they only had Carlos Santana and Adubel Herrera on the books after 2019. So <laughs> they're in a big market. They just got a lot of TV money. Obviously, the league's doing well revenue sharing-wise. Uh, so the, the money issue is not really the problem. In terms of velocity, that was something that uh, Arietta was asked about today, and he, he basically said that, yeah, it, it went down a little bit, but the second half showed that I can still be a great pitcher, and while, hey, maybe I get that 95 to 96 back, if not, you know, I'm not worried about it. So. And, you know, the GM at the same point said they felt comfortable. They talked to their scouts. They talked to their research and development team in the front office. And they poured over the information and numbers that they had and that that they weren't really concerned about the velocity or what happened in the first half last season. And they really felt that what they saw and what the league saw in the second half from Arietta. Uh, was encouraging and indicative of what they think they'll be getting from him. That's Megan Montemurro from The Athletic Philadelphia. Read her stuff at theathletic.com. Appreciate her jumping on. Give us some insight on the Jake Arietta signing. We go from Arietta to a current Cub in pitcher Tyler Chatwood. I talked with him a few weeks back at spring training, and I asked him what it's like joining a team like the Cubs, who's basically the powerhouse in the National League, at least one of the teams, and the envy of most of baseball. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, um, you walk in here and you can kind of tell that um, the way everybody carries themselves, they expect to win and they know how to win. So um, the way that everybody goes about their business, I'm excited to be part of it now. So when you say that, is it just sort of a confidence type thing? Is it nobody really necessarily has to say anything? It's just more how they go about their business? Exactly. I don't think anybody's in here um, really pumping each other up. I think they just know what they need to do. Everybody knows what makes them good, and they just seems like they just go about their business and do it. What's it like being part of a team now? I know it's an early going, but it's it's a front office that's very aggressive. They sign you, they go get Darvish. It seems like every year they either they trade for Q back in July, so it's every they're always trying to upgrade. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> that's one of the reasons. Um, you know, we, me and my family decided we wanted to come here. Is they're built to win. 
everybody is a professional athlete um, wants to win a championship. These guys have proven they know how to get deep in the playoffs, win a championship, uh, and I just wanted to be part of that. You know, we're built to win for a while, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, we've heard that a lot. Even you said the same thing where Theo and Jed, they know how to really sell a player on the team. I mean, yeah. what, what was that whole experience like for you, that negotiation process? And- um, they didn't have to sell much to me, to be honest with you. I mean, just playing against them a little bit and uh, obviously, you know, the history with the Cubs going to Wrigley, it kind of sells itself, to be honest with right. you. But um, obviously the fact that those guys have been doing such a great job and they put such a great product together and, uh, you know, just the atmosphere. These guys have a ton of fun when they're playing. So I think that was uh, a big part of our decision. What's it like being a member of maybe the best rotation in all of baseball, Lester, Hendricks, Darvish, Quintana, and now yourself? I mean, that's, that's right up there. Yeah, the best. yeah it's awesome. Um, you know, every, when you're not pitching, you get to sit back and watch those great guys throw, and you can kind of pick their brain and learn from them. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to have that and just be able to pick their brain and uh, help us win games. Does that motivate you a little bit, knowing you, you, the amount of talent that's on the rotation, whether whatever you may project as third, fourth, or fifth starter, knowing that, okay, we've got some, some really great arms here. i got to step up a little bit. Yeah, I think it, I think it just um, kind of pushes everybody. You know, I think nobody wants to be the guy left behind not pitching good when you have such high expectations. So, um but at the same time, I think you just go out there and do your job. You, your whole goal is to win, help your team win games, so um, that should still be our focus. And you know, I'm excited to be part of it. Definitely. Are you a goal setter? Um, yes and no, not really. You not know. like a specific inning or outing. No, I think everybody everybody would like to get you know the 185, 200 mark for innings. You know, I think that's everybody's goal. If you do that, then I think everything else falls into place. So. Um, you know, definitely everybody, I definitely have a goal to try to get to those innings because um, then I think everything else falls into place. You're winning games, and uh, your team's right where you want to be probably if you're doing that. Your number is much better away from, from cores. Mm-hmm. One, how tough is it to pitch there? Two, do you think that's an accurate representation of of how difficult it is to pitch in cores? Uh, no, the, my splits were bad. You know, um, I'm a guy who takes pride in my performances, so I wasn't very happy with those. Uh, at the same time, it, it's, it's different. You know, your balls don't, doesn't move the same. I'm uh, heavy relying on my two semen to cut instead of sink there. Um, but at the same time, you know, I got to be better. I know that, and I've taken uh, – I take pride in that stuff. So <clears throat> I think uh, I've made a couple adjustments this offseason. I think it'll uh, be pretty good for me going forward. What were those adjustments made? Uh, just my stri- – a little different stride and uh, my front side being a little stronger. So it's just really simple, simple adjustments that I feel pay big dividends in the end. Last question. Your first impressions of uh, Joe Madden. I know he likes to do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, um, we only had like one meeting with him yet, but um, awesome. You know, he's laid back. He knows how to communicate with his players. It seems like, and uh, you know, I'm excited to be to get to know him a little more. That's Tyler Chatwood, who's having a nice spring for the Cubs, likely your fifth starter in the Cubs rotation. Most recent start, by the way, five innings, one hit, no runs, nine strikeouts. Sub-1 ERA this spring so far, he's 3-0, so good start for Chatwood. We go from the Cubs to the White Sox. Had a chance to talk with Andy Mazur, who's now the pregame host for the White Sox on WGN Radio, your new home for White Sox baseball. Andy, for many years, was on the Cubs broadcast here on GN, worked alongside Ron Sano, Pat Hughes, helped those guys out with all sorts of stuff. So uh, talk to Andy about that and what it's like now being the uh, White Sox pregame host. Uh, I never thought that WGN Radio would ever get the White Sox, first of all, because they were so known for uh, for Cubs baseball. I was known for Cubs baseball, but then Padres baseball as well. I'm excited to do the 
Dude, the Sox, I think we're getting, uh, we're getting this team at the right time. I mean, there's a lot of excitement around it. Well, so people know your background, Andy. For so many years, you were part of the Cubs broadcast here on WGN with, with Ron Sano and Pat Hughes. Um, how long were you? What, what was your role? What, was that, what did all that entail? And uh, how long were you at GN? Well, it evolved a lot. Uh, I got here in January of 99. And uh, my first Cubs season was 99. It was a disappointing, terrible, terrible year. Uh, but then I was only doing weekends and some selected night game uh, pre and some post. And then eventually when, uh, when Ron Sandel lost his first leg to diabetes, they, they called me. Uh, John McDonough called and asked me if I would be interested in traveling uh, to kind of keep an eye on Ron in case he wasn't able to go. Uh, to step in for him. I'm like, absolutely, dream come true. I'm flying on a big league plane and all that kind of stuff, going to every game, which I wanted to do. Uh, so that kind of evolved from like 02 through when I left, uh, through the 06 season. So I was there a total of about seven or eight seasons. Uh, saw some good baseball, some bad baseball, and then I moved on to San Diego to do play-by-play there and uh, saw some good baseball and some bad baseball uh more bad than good uh yeah but now i'm looking forward to getting back into the uh the, the swing of things with baseball no pun intended and uh to get back and to be reporting on a specific team that i can get to know uh before we dive into the white Sox, real quick can you give me your favorite sano story oh my god i know it's a long if, list. I, if i had a dollar for every time i told this story i would be able to retire <laughs> it was one of the two uh missing hairpiece situations of only two times i ever saw him without the hairpiece were in st louis and one time he called me in my room and asked me if I had a baseball hat with me. And I always travel with a baseball hat. You know, you go out for a morning walk or whatever, and I brought it over to him. He didn't like it. And he couldn't find his hairpiece. He could not find his hairpiece in his room. We're tearing the thing apart. I mean, we looked in the shower. We looked in the drawers. We looked under the bed. We looked in the sheets. It, it was gone. And he had no idea where it was. So he gets a phone call from his grandson. He's sitting back at the on his bed. And I walked over to the desk, and I noticed his Federal Express box that had come from the Cubs because he was signing pictures for the next homestand for a giveaway and i picked up a pile of papers that were on the desk and i picked up the box and stuck to the bottom of the box was this thing that looked like a dead skunk <laughs> and it was his hairpiece and i walked the box over to him and let him handle the hairpiece himself and he had a good laugh we had a good laugh about it uh we were almost late for the bus but that's okay i love it i think i've heard you tell that one before but obviously a long list of stories working with uh with ronnie um all right let's talk a little bit white Sox here um you said we're getting them at the right time. I couldn't agree more. I saw some of those guys up close at spring training. Guys like Eloy stand out to me, Michael Kopech. Who are you most excited about? Who's the guy who you're like, that dude is going to tear it up? Yeah, Jimenez is one guy I think is an obvious one, especially what we've seen him do in a couple of at-bats in, in spring training. The power is definitely there. It's very raw. Um, I think he's got a pretty good eye for a, for a big guy. He had a 360 on base percentage, I want to say, between a couple of stops last year in, in double A and single A, uh, which is pretty impressive for a guy that you expect to maybe strike out more than his fair share if he's trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, you know, as far as pitchers go, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Giolito this year. I want to see if he can pick up where he left off. I think he said he left off at a pretty good spot mentally and physically last year, three and three record with a really good ERA. I mean, this guy reminds me of. Uh, one of those big power pitchers from when I was growing up, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, who had a great downward tilt, had a great fastball that can get up to 98, 99. Uh, and I, I like the way that he's thinking now. He's thinking more secondary pitches. Fastball is going to be there. Change up, 
curveball. If the fastball happens not to be there one day, you need to lean on those pitches. And I think that, you know, with Don Cooper working with him and now a little chip on his shoulder, I think, because the, the Nationals basically just kind of gave up on this kid, him and Ronaldo Lopez. I think they just gave up on both of these guys in, in the Adam Eaton deal. And I think Giolito's pitching with a little chip on his shoulder, too. Yeah, I, I agree with Giolito. He's a guy that seems very calculated. He knows what he needs to do, so he's fun to watch. Um, let's talk about the actual pregame broadcast. I know um, right actually after we do this interview, you're headed to kind of do a little test run, um, which I think is a good call. Uh-huh. Um, what can what do you think the structure of the pregame is going to be? What can people expect from you and from the pregame broadcast here on WGN for the White Sox? Yeah, it's a little different format than I think people were used to with uh, with our Cubs broadcast. We've we split it up into about five different segments, which it kind of fluctuates a little bit depending on the news of the day. I mean, it's the same basic elements as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I kind of keep in mind um, of dad and a son or dad and a daughter or mom and a daughter driving to the ballpark trying to figure out what the stories of the day are. And I'm going to bring those to you, of course. We'll hear from Rick Renteria every day. Uh, we'll hear from players. I, I love doing player interviews, especially on a young team. Uh, it's going to be a little more challenging this year, I think, because a, a lot of those guys are uh, Spanish-speaking, and I don't speak the language, unfortunately, and I don't think that it translates well with a translator kind of telling you what he said. You can't get emotion or anything like that. But uh, the player interviews are always were special to me just because you don't have to ask just baseball questions. You can kind of get to know guys a little bit. And I think in turn the fans can get to know some of these guys a little bit better maybe than they think. You know, and obviously if uh, there's big games in Big League Baseball, we'll, we'll cover those too. But it, it's pretty much going to follow the, the format of whatever pregame show you listen to, except you know, I, I like to put my own little touches on it, some production and uh, some good production value and a lot of sound bites. All right, man. We're looking forward to uh, hearing you on the call, and we're happy to have you back here at GN, part of a baseball broadcast. Oh, Andy Mazer back with baseball. I can't begin to tell you how happy I am to be back in my favorite sport. Um, covering a baseball team, and there's nothing like it. You know that from uh, being in uh, playoffs with the Cubs in the World Series and that kind of thing. It's uh, it's the national pastime for sure. It's it's my favorite, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. We all are. Anyway, appreciate you doing this. Thanks, KP. Right, That's Sandy Mazur. Going to be hearing a lot of Andy this season on the White Sox broadcast on WGM. He is now your pregame host. So thanks to Andy. Thanks to Megan Montemurro from the Athletic Philadelphia giving us some insight on the Jake Arrieta signing with the Phillies. Thanks to Tyler Chatwood of the Cubs for his conversation with me. And thank you for listening to episode number two of Powell at the Park. Please uh, subscribe on iTunes and review it. And you can listen on Google Play or go to WGNRadio.com and you can listen there. Thanks to everyone for listening. I appreciate it. We'll be back uh, next week for episode number three of Powell at the Park. You can follow me on Twitter at KPowell720 for more updates throughout the week on the Cubs and the White Sox. Thanks again. Have a great day.